everyone, welcome back to another episode of Quotes This Week presented by Live Law. I'm your host, Ostika Das, and I'm excited to take you through the most important legal developments from this week. In this episode, we are going to discuss the latest legal development in the Rahul Gandhi criminal defamation case, a split verdict in the V. Senthil Balaji habeas corpus petition, Tista Setalwad's bail plea, and much more. We have a lot of interesting news to cover this week because the Supreme Court reopened after its summer break. Let's begin. In a major setback to Congress leader Rahul Gandhi, the Gujarat High Court refused to grant a stay on his conviction and two-year jail term in a criminal defamation case over his Why All Thieves Have Modi Surname remark, which led to his disqualification from the Lok Sabha. Justice Hemant Prachak observed that the case concerned a large identifiable class, that is the Modi community, and not just one individual. The court also said that as a senior leader of the oldest political party in India, Gandhi was vested with a duty to ensure that the dignity and reputation of a large number of persons or any identifiable class was not jeopardized due to his political activities or utterances. The High Court further said that Gandhi made a false statement to affect the poll results and used Prime Minister Narendra Modi's name only to add sensation to his speech. Besides this, the High Court acknowledged the existence of 10 additional defamation complaints against Gandhi, including one filed by the grandson of Vinayak Savarkar in a Pune court over allegedly defamatory comments made against Savarkar in a speech delivered at Cambridge University by Rahul Gandhi. A division bench of the Madras High Court has delivered a split verdict with respect to the question of whether the arrest of DMK MP and Tamil Nadu Minister V. Senthil Balaji over his alleged involvement in a cash-for-jobs scam in the state amounted to illegal detention. Justice Nisha Banu observed that the habeas corpus petition filed by Balaji's family was maintainable. Notably, she also observed that the ED officers did not have the powers of a station house officer under the Prevention of Money Laundering Act and therefore they could not have moved for custody of the minister. On the other hand, Justice Bharata Chakravarti said that ED officers were competent to seek custody and that Balaji's family had not made out a case of illegal custody or mechanical remand order which would have warranted the interference of the High Court by way of a writ of habeas corpus. On the same day that this split verdict was delivered by the High Court, the matter was taken up by a Supreme Court bench headed by Justice Surya Kant. This division bench refused to heed the request of the central agency to finally decide the questions of law involved in the case and opted to continue waiting for the outcome of the litigation pending before the High Court as it had done earlier. Justice C.V. Karthikeya of the Madras High Court has been assigned by the Chief Justice to resolve the split decision in this habeas corpus petition and he has framed the points of difference of opinion in this verdict. In other news from the Madras High Court, Prasoon Mishra, a news editor of Hindi newspaper Dainik Bhaskar, has been granted anticipatory bail by a bench of Justice A.D. Jagdish Chandra. Mishra had approached the High Court for anticipatory bail after two FIRs were registered against the news organization by Tamil Nadu police based on complaints that it had published a piece of news that intended to cause fear and alarm among migrant workers from Bihar. For those who are unaware, in March, photos and videos claiming that Hindi-speaking workers were being attacked in the southern state of Tamil Nadu went viral. 
although these were later disproved as fake news by independent fact checkers as well as the state police these rumors triggered widespread panic in the aftermath a number of FIRs were lodged against individuals or organizations for allegedly propagating such misinformation. Mishra was one of the people who came under the scanner and he was booked under various sections of the Indian Penal Code. Now, while granting him anticipatory bail, the Madras High Court has directed him to publish a corrigendum on the first page or home page of all publications stating that the news that they had published was fake and it had been published without verifying the truth and the veracity of the news. The corrigendum is also supposed to clarify that no one should follow and post the fake news besides tendering an unconditional apology to the court and the people of Tamil Nadu. The last Saturday before the Supreme Court was set to reopen witnessed an unusual series of events. As you may know, civil rights activist Tista Setalwad is currently under the scanner for allegedly fabricating evidence and instituting false proceedings in relation to the 2002 Gujarat riots conspiracy case. The Gujarat police filed an FIR against Setalwad last year and she was taken into custody in June, but she was given interim bail by the top court in September. However, last Saturday, the Gujarat High Court rejected Setalwad's plea for regular bail and directed her to surrender immediately. The High Court observed that the social activist had an intention to tarnish the image of the then Chief Minister of Gujarat and now Prime Minister Narendra Modi and also wanted to polarize a particular community. Within hours of this order, there was a special hearing and a division bench of the Supreme Court heard an urgent appeal against the High Court's direction at around 6.30pm on Saturday. There was a difference of opinion among the two judges, Justices Abhay Ok and Prashant Kumar Mishra, and the matter naturally went to a larger bench. This three-judge bench was also constituted on the same day, that is last Saturday, and it heard the appeal at 9.15 in the night in another special hearing. A bench of Justices B.R. Gawai, A.S. Bupanna and Dipankar Datta finally granted interim relief to Setalwad by staying the Gujarat High Court's order for a period of one week. One of the factors that weighed with the court was that the petitioner was a woman and as such was entitled to special protection under Section 437 of the Code of Criminal Procedure. The Apex Court held that the court below ought to have given her some time to comply with and possibly appeal the order to surrender. Cut to Wednesday, the summer vacation has ended and the top court has reopened. The same three-judge bench heard Setalwad's plea once again and this time not only extended the interim protection till further orders but also issued notice in her plea. The matter will be taken up later this month on July 19th and heard at length. A Supreme Court bench headed by Justice Sanjay Kishankal has taken on board a challenge against a decision of the Delhi High Court to quash a summoning order against the editor and deputy editor of The Wire in a criminal defamation case filed by former JNU professor Amita Singh. The complaint filed by Singh in 2016 objected to an article by The Wire's deputy editor in the same year titled Dossier Call JNU Den of Organized Sex Racket Students, Professors Allege hate campaign. Singh claimed that the publication imputed that she was the one who prepared the dossier allegedly depicting JNU as a den of organized sex racket. In the police complaint, Singh alleged that the editor had not verified the authenticity of the dossier and used it for monetary benefits of his magazine and defamed her reputation. The summoning order was passed against the Wire's editor and deputy editor by a Delhi Metropolitan Court in 2017. 
Importantly, owing to the ambiguity over the question of who actually submitted the dossier, the apex court also issued notice to JNU to examine the limited aspect of whether such a dossier was submitted and if so, then to what effect and by whom. The Supreme Court of India has sought the response of controversial religious leader Yati Narasingh Anand in a contempt petition against him for allegedly making derogatory remarks against the Indian constitution and the top court in a viral interview. This controversy dates back to January of last year when this right-wing leader allegedly said that the constitution will consume the 100 crore Hindus in the country and those who believe in this charter and the extant system will die the death of a dog. The latest development in the Shiv Sena rift is the filing of a petition by the Uddhav Thakre-led Shiv Sena seeking a direction to the Maharashtra Legislative Assembly Speaker to expeditiously decide on the disqualification pleas pending against rebel MLAs led by Shinde. These disqualification pleas have been pending for over a year. This development comes nearly a month after a constitution bench judgment relating to the rift in which the top court had categorically said that the speaker must decide the disqualification within a reasonable period of time. The Supreme Court has refused to entertain a plea challenging the ongoing internet ban imposed in Manipur since May 3rd, 2023 in response to reported incidents of violence in the state. The petition was filed by two residents of the state when the bench headed by Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachud expressed its disinclination to consider the matter since a similar plea was already pending before the Manipur High Court, Advocate Shadan Farasat, appearing for the petitioners, agreed to withdraw the petition. The Apex Court, however, granted the petitioners permission to file an independent petition in the matter pending before the High Court. In related news, the Supreme Court, while hearing a separate group of petitions regarding the ethnic violence in Manipur, sought an updated status report from the state with respect to the current situation as well as the status of rehabilitation camps, recovery of arms and law and order. This direction was issued after the Manipur Tribal Forum Delhi told a bench led by the Chief Justice that the condition in Manipur had worsened, whereas Solicitor General Tushar Mehta insisted that the law and order situation was on the mend owing to the deployment of sufficient number of armed forces and setting up of relief camps. This matter will be heard again next Monday. The Supreme Court has sought the response of the University Grants Commission in a PIL filed by the mothers of Rohit Vemula and Payal Tadvi for guidelines for creating an enabling environment for students belonging to scheduled castes and scheduled tribes in institutions of higher education. Rohit Vemula, a PhD scholar at Hyderabad Central University, had died by suicide in 2016, while Payal Tadvi, an Adivasi student at Topiwala National Medical College in Mumbai, died by suicide in 2019. Both suicides have been attributed to alleged caste-based discrimination in these higher educational institutions. A bench led by Justice A.S. Bupanna, while directing UGC to furnish its response with respect to steps taken or proposed to address the concerns raised in the petition, made it very clear that the matter at hand was sensitive in nature and the litigation was non-adversarial. The Supreme Court has issued notice on a transfer petition filed by the Bar Council of India seeking to transfer to the top court all petitions pending in the high courts of Kerala, Madras and Bombay challenging the enrollment fee structure imposed by state bar councils. Once again, the Chief Justice of India expressed his concern over the amount of money charged by state bar councils for the enrollment of prospective advocates. 
Manan Kumar Mishra, the BCI chairperson, tried to argue that the fees charged for applicants covered various expenses and welfare measures, but Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachur was unconvinced. Mr. Mishra, you are in trouble, the Chief Justice said, before adding that a high enrollment fee cannot be charged under the guise of collecting money for welfare schemes. In 1996, a bomb blast rocked Delhi's Nagar Central Market, claiming the lives of 13 people and injuring 38 others, besides causing much damage to property. A few days later, the Jammu and Kashmir Islamic Front, designated as a terrorist organization under Section 35 of the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, claimed responsibility for the attack. Now, 27 years after this incident, the Supreme Court has finally decided the fate of the accused by sentencing four convicts to life imprisonment without remission. This means that their sentences will extend till the end of their natural lives. The Supreme Court has issued notice in a special leave petition filed by a husband against a court direction allowing the plea of his wife, who is alleging that he has been unfaithful, to obtain and preserve his call detail records and details regarding his stay in a hotel. The petitioner raised this issue of whether the fundamental right to privacy of a spouse can be breached in case of an allegation of adultery in divorce proceedings. The Supreme Court has also agreed to hear a plea filed by advocate Shobha Gupta seeking to direct appropriate authorities to take proper legal action for violation of the provisions of the Preconception and Prenatal Diagnostic Techniques Act 1994 and related rules, which, among other things, make prenatal sex determination a criminal offence. This act was enacted to stop female feticide and address the declining sex ratio in the country. The petitioner has raised apprehensions over the number of acquittals under the act, claiming that the appropriate authorities, particularly in Gujarat, Rajasthan and Punjab, have not preferred even a single appeal against order of acquittals as is mandated under the Prenatal Diagnostic Techniques Prohibition of Sex Selection Rules 1996. The Supreme Court has agreed to list in the coming week a petition filed by the Delhi government challenging the Government of National Capital Territory Amendment Ordinance 2023, which sought to take away the powers of the Delhi government to control the civil servants operating within its jurisdiction. This ordinance was promulgated in May, one week after the Constitution bench of the Supreme Court delivered a crucial verdict confirming that the control over administrative services, barring those related to public order, police and land, in the national capital belong to the government of the National Capital Territory of Delhi. In a separate petition, the Delhi government has challenged the constitutionality of Section 45D of this ordinance, which stipulates that notwithstanding anything in any other law, all authorities, boards, commissions and statutory bodies in and for NCTD shall be constituted by members appointed by the President of India. The list of bodies hit by the ordinance includes the Delhi Electricity Regulatory Commission and the Lieutenant Governor's decision to appoint former Allahabad High Court Judge Umesh Kumar as a chairperson, allegedly as a unilateral measure, has also been challenged before the top court. A bench headed by Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachur has issued notice and sought the response of the Attorney General for India on the constitutionality of the impugned section 45D. Thank you for tuning in. Quotes This Week is a special segment where we bring to you the most pertinent legal developments that took place last week from across the country. If you found our compilation useful, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Hit the bell icon on YouTube to get notifications 
whenever we upload a video and drop a comment in the comment section telling us what you thought of this week's developments. Also, visit our website www.livelaw.in to read our detailed reports. This is your host, Ostika Das, and I will see you again next time. Thank <laughs> you.